who am I is a very big deal. And we are very quick to accept the labels that the world throws at us. We want those labels, in fact, because we feel like if those labels stick, then we've got the question figured out. So we run to self-help books, we run to television show hosts, we run to podcasts, we run to uh, study groups, we run to all sorts. I mean, with, with social networking and Twitter and Facebook, we are so good at throwing labels on ourselves. But what I have seen in the church is confusion over the two core positions that we hold before God. I have seen complete bafflingness, if that's a word, bewilderment. I don't know what the word is, but I see confusion. That's my point. And whether it's a mistaken identity or it's an identity that is uh, a false identity that maybe some of you have chosen to take on, uh, for the church to understand who she is, we have to go to the same place. We have to go to the source. We go to the Word of God. And the Word of God does not kind of hint at who we are. It tells us who we are. The problem is our hearts just don't like to hear it. So that becomes the discussion inside the discussion. But the Bible paints a picture, a very real picture of two positions. And I say positions because it's more so, it's more than an identity. It's everything. Um, when I say position, I mean the Bible paints a picture of the sinner, which we hate that word, and the saint. The funny thing is, we also hate that word. The church has become this thing where we're like, no, 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 not saints. But the sinner also is in the same state of confusion going, no, 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 I'm not a sinner. I've done a couple of bad things in my past, and then what we do is we go, well, I'm not a sinner based on how they behave. How these other people do life, well, I'm not like that, so I'm not as bad as them. I made a couple mistakes in my life, but hey, nobody's perfect. That's what we say. We use the language. We hate to use the word sinner, and we hate to use the word saint. The sinner and the saint are both confused most of the time. The saint will say, oh, I'm no saint. <laughs> you know me. I am no saint. I'm not perfect. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I understand our desire to relate, but we we downplay the value of the gospel when we do that. We basically take the cross and say, no, no, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to change me. And so if you have a hard time staying awake through a message, I'm going to give you the point of the whole thing in the first three minutes. Very simply, that if you, if you're in the sinner camp, or you're in this forgetful saint camp, as long as you keep looking around you at other people, other things, other stuff, you will never know who you are. You will absolutely have no clue where you stand in a position before God. But Jesus makes it blatantly clear who we are when we look at him. You have got to stop with the comparison game, church. Sinners and saints alike, you cannot look at people some of the saints that I, that, that, that I see struggling, they're like, well, I'm not like so-and-so, so therefore I'm not as good. Or I'm not this. Here's the problem. Both the sinner and the saint look at their behavior. And they gauge on their behavior. And as the church, we have nothing if we don't have Christ's finished work. So please understand me when I say this identity crisis, it's real. And it is a huge problem for this church, for our church, for the city in general, the church as a whole, to really be activated into who she is, she has to know who she is. And the scriptures make a very clear picture for us. 
So the sinner, who is the sinner? We hate that word, we run from it, we shy from it, we try and give other words for it, but the Bible is very clear on sinner. I mean, Tommy Boy, one of my favorite movies in, in the history of movies. When he catches his friend doing something messed up, what does he say? Sinner. We joke about it. Don't we? I mean, we get the idea, but we, we've kind of limited sin to just being doing bad things. But the Bible paints a different picture. In, Pro, in uh, Psalms chapter 1, we see this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You see, the sinner in the Old Testament and the New was one who did not care for God's ways who does not care for anything God has to say, who does not want anything God has to do or bring or listen to him in any way whatsoever. The mocker is also very closely associated with the word sinner. The mocker is one in Proverbs, you see this. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. Now some of you in this room may be going, well, I've never, never really mocked God with my words. You're not like Kanye West. Kanye West has a new album coming out, and apparently there was a track listing leak that got out, and the track title of one of his tracks was, is supposed to be, I Am God. Now, his PR people got a hold of this, and they were like, whoa, 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 no, 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 it's not I Am God, it's I Am A God. Phew, glad I can sleep well tonight, Kanye. Man, I'm so glad you don't think you're God, you just think you're a God. Oh, oh man. Kids, kids, go buy his albums because he just thinks he's a god. <laughs> That's enough. Really? We talk about the mocker. We talk about the sinner. It's a position of a heart, not just the outward actions. Listen to 2 Peter 3.3. 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. So it starts here, and then we go there. The idea is very simple. The mocker is one who, by his words, by his actions, by his heart, says, I want nothing to do with God's ways. And that is how the Bible describes the sinner's camp. And amazingly, every single one of us starts in that camp. Isaiah 53, listen to this. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for those of you that may be still wrestling with some of the Word of God, I want you to understand that this picture of Jesus that we're seeing was written hundreds of years before he stepped on the scene. The Word of God is worth investigating. Please do not turn your nose to it without at least taking a look. The book has street cred, literally has street cred. So please, when you see this and you hear this, you can't go, well, that was never me. Yes, it was. The Bible says each of us. You know, Han Solo is one of my favorite characters on the planet, but he has a phrase that I think our hearts live by. I take orders from just one person, me. That's the position of the sinner's camp. God, your ways are not correct. God, you are not smart enough. I know better than you. Now, what of the saint? Uh, look at these pictures. Is this, is this what it means to be a saint? Is, is this what the world thinks of? Is this what you think of when you think of saint? Tilted head? Contemplative? Is that what you think of? Because many people, when they hear the word saint, they think unattainable. 
I can't do that. My behavior never looked like that. My behavior is far from that. But you see something in the Old and the New Testament, the word saint is used very often. And maybe to help you out, the way it is translated, you see in the Old Testament, is one as set apart for God. In the New Testament, the word saint is literally translated a holy one. For us, we're like, whoa, that's crazy talk right there. Other words that are used in the place of the saints is holy people, God's people, people belonging to Christ, God's holy people, his holy people. All of these titles bother us for some reason. It's because we know personally we just don't live up to those. We're just like these people who keep failing and keep failing and keep failing. Well, here's the deal. Paul opens up his letters to the churches. If you read any of Paul's letters in the New Testament, Paul always opens up to the saints at Asheville, to the saints in Atlanta, to the saints here, to the saints. But what's interesting to me about that is what makes them saints obviously isn't their behavior because the whole rest of the letter is Paul saying, stop sinning. Something else makes these people saints in the eyes of Paul. Read in Romans chapter 3. And I love this verse. Romans 3.23 is usually where we stay. But there's so much goodness that follows right after these words. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yes, we do. I feel that. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. Did you hear that? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do, he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his Righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he, get this, declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He continues in Romans chapter 5. Just open the book of Romans and you'll see how obvious Paul's thoughts were. Yes, Adam's one sin. We're talking about Adam, Adam and Eve, way, 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 way back. One sin brings condemnation for, what does that say? Some? Does everyone, right? All of us start in that camp. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, Adam, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Does it say they will earn righteousness? It says they will be made righteous. There is something that happens when God steps in. But the mocker says, your way isn't good. I don't really care for your way. In fact, I hate your way. I may never say that with my lips, but my heart and my actions will declare it very loud. And so all of us start in this camp. Paul actually, he, he was the one who understood that the identity change from sinner to saint was all God. Listen to Colossians chapter 1. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. There's that word. Who live in the light. 
For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul's letters were to remind the church of who she was in Christ. You see, I understand why there's a mistaken identity. It's because the church today has decided to go, the gospel is too much. Let's just talk about being good people. Let's just sit around, sing songs, hold hands, talk about our feelings, and go on with our business. Jesus did not come to do those things. He came to save sinners. The Bible makes it really, 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 really clear. You know why we don't know that? It's because we don't read our Bibles. We don't open the Word of God. We don't care about the things of God. That's the mocker. That's the sinner. That's our nature. But when we encounter Christ, something changes. And we begin to understand that this whole being made new, a holy one, a saint, it's, it's so weird and it doesn't feel natural because it's not our natural state. It's something that Christ accomplished. Peter understood in 1 Peter 3.18, listen to this and this, chew on this just for a few moments, if you will. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time, He never sinned, but he died for sinners to what? To bring you safely home to God. Christ changes the game. And if we don't preach Christ, we have nothing to talk about. I could not be more serious in that that phrasing. If we not preach Christ resurrected, We might as well pack up shop and go home. Jesus addresses the sinner and the saint. And and if I could just say something to the saint, to the one who has believed on Jesus as Savior, I understand the desire to say, yeah, I'm not perfect. And Paul makes that perfectly clear in scriptures that, yes, he he hasn't got it all figured out, but he aims for what lies ahead. For the saint who downplays their sainthood, it is not humility. The the saint who goes, no, 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 I'm no saint, I'm not this, I'm not that. It is pride because it's saying, Jesus, what you did is not enough. And I know that doesn't make sense to many of us because you've been used to this work-based system. But to, to, to tell the truth, to say that, no, I'm not new, I'm not this, I'm nothing this, I'm nothing that, I'm nothing, which is what we tend to do, is to say, Jesus, I don't believe your finished work on the cross. It's to say, what you did isn't enough to make me new. There's things I still need to do to make myself new. And that's why Paul would write the same thing in every letter over and over and over and over. It's because we are forgetful people. We don't remember truth. Because the world is throwing labels, throwing labels, throwing labels. And unless we know the Word of God and who we are and what Jesus has done on the cross, we'll forget Every day. That is why we go back, sinner and saint, to the same place, Jesus. Now, I said you have to look at Jesus very simply because Jesus dealt with sinners. And you might be surprised how he dealt with sinners. In Luke chapter 5, there are three stories that you see. They're just in a row. And he, he deals with Peter, uh, Simon Peter before he's actually following Jesus. And he's preached this message and he said all these things, and these fishermen come in downcast, and they're like, oh man, everything is terrible, everything's bad, we didn't catch anything. Jesus says, look, 
Go back out, go to the deep parts, there you'll find your fish and all this stuff. Jesus tells these fishermen what to do. Because they're such at a broken place, no fish, they say, okay. They go, Simon Peter's response, he realized what had happened. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Did Jesus go, ah, you fishermen are sinners. Did he say that? No. The disciples go, this dude knows more about anything than I've ever seen in my entire life. This guy is different. And they immediately knew that they were in the presence of the Messiah. And they said, I'm too much. But watch how Jesus responds. In verse 10, James and John are both freaking out as well. But Jesus replies to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. When, when, when Peter recognized that he was a sinner, did Jesus go, you bet you are? He said, hey, don't be afraid because you are just about to go on the greatest journey of your life. But it started with that position. It started with understanding who he was in front of Christ. I said there's another story. There's a man who's being lowered down on a mat by his friends in front of Jesus. Many of you might be familiar with it. But they're coming through a roof and the dude's laid out on a mat and he lays down right in front of Jesus and Jesus looks at the kid and is like, young man, your sins are forgiven. I mean, I'm thinking of somebody who needs a healing. I'm laying there going, Jesus, that's great and all, but I could actually use some healing. But Jesus' order is very important because Jesus goes after the sin first because he realizes that is what is most important. Forgiveness of sin is more important than anything else. And I know in our world we don't get that. We don't think that way because it's about being a good person. If you can just be a good person, it's not about that. Jesus makes it clear it's about forgiveness of sin. And in the last story that we see in Luke chapter 5, we see Matthew being called. Matthew the disciple who was not liked by anybody. But he's so excited that Jesus would call him to follow him, he throws him this big party. And according to the religious people, there were some not-so-nice people there. In Luke chapter 5, verse 30, you see, But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Good gravy. How did they get away with saying things like that? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus didn't pull any punches when it came to sin. In John chapter 8, he makes it blatantly clear the penalty for sin. He talks about it. He lived it out with these disciples, with these people. He made sure they understood. John chapter 8, Jesus continued, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins kind of blows the uh, teacher, good teacher thought out of the water. What kind of a good teacher says, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. A terrible teacher. A crazy teacher. The one who is the Son of God, the one who came to finish the work, if he says those things, you pay attention. Listen to why he came, Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save 
sinners. And I'm the worst of them all. Sometimes we get so hung up on the sinner phrase, we don't want to hang out for the rest of the story. We get so caught up in, oh, I can't believe God would call me a sinner. I can't believe that. Yes, the Bible does reveal that we are all sinners before a holy God. But it also reveals the way back home. And I think we forget that all the time. All the time. That's why Paul reminded the church. So, the proud sinner, the one who says, God, your ways, no. Nope, nope. May not say it with your mouth, but your heart and your actions may show a totally different story. The humble sinner has just begun his journey to sainthood. Not by behavior, not by modification of attitude and all these things, but by belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the one who came and died once and for all to save sinners. I think sometimes we get so caught up that we don't want to hear that what sin is sin, and sin is not just doing these outer things, but it's in the position of the heart before God saying, you don't know what you're doing, God. I do. And until you understand it's a position of the heart and not just comparing with everyone else out there, you will never understand your position before God. Um, I know that for some of us, we struggle with that whole sinner and saint thing. You know, for those of you that sit in this room and you go, no, I've never put my trust in Christ and never labeled myself a sinner, but maybe by what you're talking about, I get that. The temptation is to run away. The temptation is to go, no, I better take off now because it's getting serious. But you know what's interesting is there's a story that Jesus tells us about the father's love and he said there were two sons and the younger son in this relationship with the father basically wishes his dad was dead and says, give me my inheritance that I should get when you die, but I want it now. So in essence, I don't want you in my life, dad. And the father gives the son his inheritance and the younger, brash, crazy action, all he wants to do is what he wants to do, son, goes off and spends it the way you would picture that son spending it. He runs to the city, it says, and there are a lot of ways to get in trouble in the city. Spends it all. And but what, the, what the story goes on to say is that this kid, he spends all of it, and he's literally in a pig pen. Literally. Not just, not just kind of figuratively or abstractly. He's literally in a pig pen wishing he was eating what the pigs were eating. And we have this encounter of his conversation with himself. Verse, 15, or verse 17 of Luke chapter 15, he says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Let's get one thing straight. The younger son called it for what it was. He didn't say, Dad, I was just tripping, man. Dad, I wasn't just, I wasn't thinking straight, you know, I was, no. Called it for what it was. I've sinned. I've chosen my way over yours. 
And so if you would have me, just make me one of your servants. Don't even really care about me. Just put me off to the side. Amazingly, that's not the response he gets. In verse 20, the same story. So he returned home to his father. I love that, that wording. He returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You see, both for the sinner and the confused saint, the answer is the same. And C.S. Lewis put it really, 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 really simple and excuse the simplicity of the statement. But I gave in and admitted that God was God. And we'll close with this. For some of you, you will continue to struggle taking on the identity of saint as a Christ follower because you're going to continue to measure your works against other works. You're not going to look at Jesus and you're going to go, well, Jesus was good at the front door of my faith, but now there's more. There's more. No, there is not more than the gospel. It's just more of the gospel simply. Every day. Every day. Every day. Jesus. Every day. Jesus. Every day. Because unless we as the church look at him, we have no clue who we are and how to operate. Oh, we may be able to do this once a week thing, but Monday through Saturday, the world is chucking labels at us. For the sinner, for the mocker, please repent. The Bible calls repenting, changing your thoughts towards God and about yourself to match up with God's thoughts of Him and who you are. For the forgetful saint, the equation is the same. Repent. Change the way you're thinking about Him and you. And the way that happens is through the Word of God through surrounding yourself in community that is focused on the gospel, taking the gospel, going with the gospel. The sinner and the saint are the two basic positions we find in the scriptures. The confused sinner will say that he's a saint because of his works. The confused saint will say, I'm nothing, I'm terrible, I'm nothing at all. But it's when we sit in front of Jesus that things are made blatantly clear who we are. May I remind us that it's when we see who Jesus is, we'll know exactly who we are. Jesus, thanks for loving us. There is nothing else but the gospel. Lord, there are times I am able to agree with the struggle of Paul's begging and pleading people to return home to be reconciled to God. To be brought near through Jesus. God, would this be a room of people done trying, but as C.S. Lewis said, give in and admit that God is God. And that His ways, His plan, Jesus, is what we all are desperately in need of. In your name we pray.